Tate from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trouble. Hey, John Trouble, there you are. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we're doing, we're doing a second take because we had a little audio problems in our first attempt to start the show. Yeah, the, so Darren's very enthusiastic that he can hear me and I can hear him. And... Yeah, this is abusive to making a podcast. Yes, the basic things we need to make a podcast are working. Hooray! <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. That's right. <laughs> Audio, sound, it, it's working. And so, I mean, my God. We Sky's the limit. each other's words. <laughs> Nothing but success from here on out. Yeah, we, once we get all the kinks worked out. But man, by the time we reach episode 200. <laughs> yeah, the first 100 episodes are just a warm-up to get us loose. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but after, when we hit 200, then then we hit our stride, baby. All gold, baby. <laughs> mm, solid gold. <laughs> yeah. How you been, sir? Uh, doing okay. Decent week. Decent week. Uh, how about you? Not too bad. Not too shabby. Living a life, chasing a dream. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, here on the East Coast, it snowed for like an hour and then it stopped and then the sun came out and then it got up to like 58 degrees or something. So, you know, the earth is doing what it, it should. Nothing, nothing to see here. And we're, we're all going to live to a ripe old age. Yep. So, I like to bring the party right on down, right yeah. off the top. Uh huh. But uh, maybe I'll bring it back up again by announcing that uh, our good friend at SNL they announced who uh, is going to be hosting and musical guesting for the next three episodes. How about that? That is true. That that is the thing that they have done. Well, they'd already announced the uh, John Mulaney LCD sound system for February twenty sixth, but they announced who's going to be hosting and musical guesting for. The two episodes after that. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, March 5th, after the John Mulaney up, we got uh, Oscar Isaac and Charlie XCX mm -hmm. up on the lineup there. And uh, yeah, this, 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 that should be a really interesting show. Um, I, I mean, again, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, basically known for uh, drama, being a dramatic actor. If, I mean, guys, if you haven't seen... Ex Machina or Inside Lewin Davis. I highly recommend you watch those movies. I really enjoyed both those films. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's an actor who has like a sort of a very intense type of uh, intensity, like a smoldering intensity to him. Uh, of course, you remember him from the, uh, the most recent Star Wars films, Dune. And he, of course, is going to be in Moon Knight on Disney Plus at the end of March. Um, this should be uh, an interesting thing. Like, uh, like I said, he's he's mostly known for drama, so we can see how he uh, pulls off the comedy. Uh, what, what are your yeah. thoughts on uh, Mr. I Mr. Oscar Isaac? I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him host. I, I've enjoyed him in the things that I've seen him in. I'm looking forward to the Moon Knight show. So yeah, and uh, Charlie XEX, she's coming up and uh, making up uh, the appearance she missed. She was supposed to be the musical guest on. Was it the Paul Rudd episode? Am I remembering that correctly? It was the Paul Rudd episode, yes. And okay. then uh, okay. we all we all know what happened with that. I mean, honestly, I, I said this on Twitter, but it's like SNL in the last couple of years, they've had so many people have to uh, cancel and reschedule and and all that, usually for COVID-related reasons. Um, 
<laughs> that I do get a weird sense of deja vu every time SNL announces a new host uh, musical guest combination now. So, yeah, but I mean, it's it's nice that she's coming back and making up for the appearance that she missed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I think another little fun little so, tidbit is this won't be uh, Oscar Isaac's first time on SNL because if you remember, he had a little cameo during the Jason Sudeikis episode on What Up With That. I did not remember that, so thank you for that little tidbit. Yes, my, ooh my bit has been appropriately titted. <laughs> oh my, oh my. So, and then uh, on March the twelfth, we have uh, Zoe Kravitz and uh, Rosalia as the musical guest. I'm I'm not familiar yeah. with Rosalia. Are you? I am not familiar with Rosalia, so I'm not sure uh, what to expect. But um, I am familiar with uh, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, Lenny and Lisa's kid. Uh, she's, uh, of course, she's going to be a Catwoman in the upcoming Batman movie. Uh, yeah. She was on the show High Fidelity, the remake of it on Hulu, you know, Big Little Lies, uh, the last Mad Max film. Uh, she's building up uh, quite the, the film career uh, in, the, in the past few years. So, mm -hmm. oh, X-Men First Class, of course, she was in. And uh, yes, yeah, so X-Men oh, First oh, Class. Was she, was, she, was she Angel? The, the she other was, Angel? She was Angel, yes. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Smallish part, but okay. Yeah, smallish part, but yeah, she's kind of building up like uh, a bit of a resume. And again, somebody who's primarily known for dramas and whatnot. So we'll be able to see how her uh, comedic chops are on uh, that episode as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, good, good choices. Um, Man, we're we're just flying through this season. It's where the shows the season is going to be over before we know it. It really is. I'm actually like I had a chance to think about. It. I was like, wow, we're we're almost into March already. I don't know for some reason it feels like the year just began. And no, we're like a three fourths of the way into it. Is that if my math is correct? Uh, we've only got about I think like six more hosts after this batch. So yeah, wowie, wowie, zowie. So, um, but you know what? What is time? I don't know. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Any uh, answer to both of those questions? No. Okay. <laughs> and if that's for all our Chicago fans out there, yes, that was for you, know. you guys. Yes, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so those are the shows coming up. Should be exciting. I'm really looking forward to. John Mulaney's monologue uh, next week. Oh, yeah. I really like. I I'm just frothing at the at the bit just to hear what he has to say about. He, everything he will have him. things to talk about. <laughs> yes, he will. Yeah, like if I again, I know I said it before, but I swear if he talks about anything else other than the whirlwind year he's had, I will I will be thoroughly dis disappointed. Uh, yeah, re uh, rehab, a divorce, a uh, new relationship, and a baby. Did I get everything? Uh, he's also going to he's also going to be on tour starting yeah, next month. So that's true. So yeah, that, those, but yeah, those other things those were uh, the biggies. And so he's, he didn't he didn't get married to Olivia Munn. He's just in a relationship and has a kid with Olivia Munn, right? Correct. But although I have heard, you know, the rumor mill is that they're not together anymore. But I, I haven't seen anything to, you know, uh, corroborate or, you know, corroborate that. So it's just like a rumor at this point. Right. Well, maybe he'll clarify his current relationship status. 
Indeed. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. He'll change his Facebook status on air. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> so, but uh, until SNL uh, comes back. Oh, wait, you know, actually, uh, there was a little bit of other news that we have to cover. Uh, some sad news that happened uh, this week. They announced that uh, the great Ivan Reitman passed away. Yeah, this was a bit of a shocker. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't know he was ill or he was you know, under the weather or what, but yeah, the, yeah. the, the great, the great Ivan Reitman has, uh, passed away, of course, director of, uh, Ghostbusters, which, you know, which we've talked about in the podcast, uh, one of the producers of Animal House, which we've talked about in the podcast, uh, Stripes, which we've talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, um, I don't know, just one of the greats, one of the, one of the men who's given us numerous classic, timeless, uh, comedies uh, throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was surprising here. We didn't, you know, we, uh, they did not announce a cause of death, um, so we don't really we don't know what what happened there. Um, but our our best to his family and friends. So very sorry yeah. to hear that. Uh, we we yeah. talked about doing an Ivan Reitman uh, movie for this week in tribute, but uh, unfortunately, our guest wasn't able to do it schedule wise. So uh, we're putting a pin in that, and we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll circle back to that because there are still a few Ivan Reitman movies uh, with an SNL connection that we've not covered yet. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, exactly. I mean, Meatballs, uh, I think the, but yeah, everything else we've kind of done. Stripes, like I said, Ghostbusters. Well, Ghostbusters too. Uh, I don't know. It'd be awesome if there was an SNL connection in Twins or Dave, but I don't believe there is. So uh, rest in peace, Mr. Ivan Reitman. And uh, yes, if you will live in the hearts of uh, us here at the SNL Nerds. Yeah. Um, so um, until SNL comes back next week with John Mulaney and LCD Sound System, we decided to cover uh, yet another uh, SNL movie, and a movie starring an SNL cast member. That is what we do during the off weeks here at the <laughs> SNL Nerds. And you had uh, an interesting suggestion. You were like, hey, it's February. It's Black History Month. We should do a movie with a connection to Black History Month. And I thought that sounded like a good idea because we hadn't done that before. Yeah. So um, I thought about, well, who's a, who's a famous and amazing uh, SNL performer who is also black? And then, of course, I immediately think of Eddie Murphy, as I want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I suggested this film because I really feel this is like one of his most underrated films. And, uh, we should that say is what the f- this film is, Darren. Oh, we should. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I was okay. If you, if you want to go that way with it, sure. Uh, yeah. We're talking about the, the film Bowfinger with um, Steve Martin and uh, Mr. Eddie Murphy. Yes, from 1999. I've actually got the DVD here that I borrowed from my local library. I can read the description uh, real fast uh, just to refresh people's memories. If you don't. Because I think this movie's fallen down the memory hole a little bit. Yeah, like, um, well, you you do the, um, you, you you break down the, uh, you write, you talk about the description. I'll, uh, okay, I'll have okay. my thoughts on why. So we got, uh, how does Bobby Bowfinger, Steve Martin, Hollywood's least successful director, get Kit Ramsey, Eddie Murphy, Hollywood's biggest star in this ultra, in his ultra low budget film, any way he can. With an ingenious scheme and the help of Kit's eager and nerdy brother, Jif, 
spoilers, um, an ambitious and sexy wannabe, Heather Graham, and an over-the-hill diva, Christine Baranski. By the way, hurtful to Christine Baranski. Ouch. <laughs> um, uh, Bowfinger sets out to trick Kit Ramsey into the performance of a lifetime. Enjoy the fun with Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin, together for the first time in the hit comedy Bowfinger. Um, yeah, what... Why call Christine Baranski's character an over-the-hill diva? There is, like, not one old joke about her in the movie. Yeah, she's yeah. a diva a bit, but there is literally nothing about her being old. And I looked it up. Christine Baranski was, like, 47 when this movie came out. Yeah, I feel like maybe somebody at the DVD uh, writing place was like had a personal grudge against Christine Baranski. Yeah, like, no, I, I think that's the only explanation. I'm just like, what? <laughs> and also, yeah, we <laughs> they just totally spoil the plot point that uh, uh, Eddie Murphy is playing his own brother as well as Kit Ramsey in the movie. Because um, you don't find that out until like halfway through the movie. Yeah, that's a, I mean, but then again, that plot point really doesn't come into, does it really come into play, you think, in the movie at all? But it's, well, it's a nice it's, little surprise. It's something the characters are surprised to find out uh, when it is brought up. So it's, right. I feel like it is supposed to be a surprise for the audience as well. So I feel like maybe it's not the type of thing you should give away on the back description of the DVD. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, yeah. yeah, so like you said, this movie came out August 13th, 1999. Had a budget of 55 mil, made 98.6 mil. So it was like a, I'd say a modest hit, or it made it made its money mm-hmm. back. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember when this movie came out, like, it's like you said, it really didn't make that big of a splash. Like, I remember it came out, and I think a few people were talking about how good it was, but it did, it really kind of fell under the radar. And I think mm-hmm. part, of re- part of the reason of that is because of the movies that came out around that time. And uh, like I looked into it, the little research, and I saw the week before this movie came out, uh, Mystery Men had come out was came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Mystery Mystery Men, uh, the Thomas Crown Affair, the remake with Pierce Brosnan and uh, Rene Russo, mm-hmm. uh, the Iron the Iron Giant, and a small film. Okay, called the, the Iron Six... Giant was not taking any any business away oh, from really? hoping. Iron Giant did not do well in the theaters. Um, Did it not? Oh, maybe no, that was Warner, Warner Brothers totally dropped the ball on the Iron Giant publicity wise. People did not discover that film until it came to DVD. Um, uh, okay. All right. So uh, maybe not the Iron Giant. Maybe not Mystery well Men. It's well known now and deservedly so. But no, it did not do well in theaters at all. Okay. Well, maybe. All right. So maybe all the attention went to the other film that came out a week before this film, a little thing called The Sixth Sense. Came ah, out. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely a, a sleeper hit. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, like, the poster, I'm not crazy about. It really doesn't make you want to see the film. Uh, well, either. the poster is just basically selling it on the star power of Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy together. And I think I think that's a good way to go. Um, I, I guess so. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, this movie, this movie written by Steve Martin and directed mm-hmm. by the great Frank Oz. And this is the fourth time uh, Steve Martin and Frank Oz have worked together on a film. Um, of course, the other three being Little Shop of Horrors, House Guest, or House Sitter, I believe, and um, yeah. oh, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, I'd forgotten that this was a Frank Oz film. Uh, I I think I'd, I'd sort of come to think of it as a Steve Martin project because he wrote it as well, starred in it. 
Um, so yeah, when when Frank Oz's name came up on the screen, I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah. So that's the um, yeah. So um, but yeah, this was like a film had a pretty like I said, pretty decent cast produced by Brian Grazer, Frank Oz directed it, written mm-hmm. by Steve Martin. But yeah, it, like it didn't really pop you know, with audiences until, like, much later. I, I think even now, a lot of people haven't seen this film. Like, I it has, it has its... this film until it hit DVD, so I, I came a little late to the party on this. I didn't make it to the theaters to see this. But uh, and this was the first time I'd revisited in probably at least a decade. Um, you rewatched this film not too long ago for another podcast, right? Yes, uh, I rewatched this for my friend Nigel Fulton's podcast, uh, the Monday Murphy podcast. It's a podcast dedicated entirely to Eddie Murphy. And he has on mm-hmm. guests that talk about like a specific Eddie Murphy movie each episode. And then, but he's had on people that have worked with Eddie Murphy and it's all Murphy centric. And when I, so I rewatched the film for that podcast. And the second, I remember I did watch it around 99 when it first came out, like on, I think I watched it on DVD or something. I thought it was okay. But like mm-hmm. then I rewatched it, and I sort of picked up on a lot of things I missed the first time around, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is a really funny movie. This is this mm-hmm. is like really sharply written and pretty hilarious. Like I don't know how I missed all the stuff the first time around." So, um, but yeah, that's that's another reason why I wanted to suggest this film because I feel like it's a movie that maybe people didn't get to the first time when it was out or you know for some reason it just fell under their radar but i think this uh deserved its moment in the sun good sir mm. yeah yeah i think i think it's a well done film um it's uh like we said i mean it's it's eddie murphy he he stars as bobby bowfinger who's sort of a he's like sort of a low-grade producer he's he's one of those guys who's just scrambling to get his pictures made in hollywood and right. he's, he's got he's found a script that he really likes. It starts out with him uh, just literally finishing the script. And then he calls up the screenwriter and he's like, I love this script. I want to make this movie. You can quit your day job. <laughs> and, right. and then he's like, how the heck am I going to make this movie? Because he doesn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, yeah. By a whole lot, we pretty much mean none. <laughs> like I said, like it's uh, Steve Martin, Bobby Bowfinger. He's a very low-budget uh, film producer. And yeah, like you said, he finds this film from this guy named, um, written by this guy, Afrim, who is an accountant and part-time receptionist. But of course, like everybody in L.A., they fancy themselves a screenwriter or an actor and want to be in the biz. And um, he, you know, he writes a script called Chubby Rain, which, I yeah. mean, the title alone is, uh, is interesting. <laughs> Not a good uh, title. Not a good title. Not at all. Not at all. No. Because, you know, hey, why do you want to waste a good title on a fake movie within your movie? No, just yeah, just call it Chubby Rain and your your job is done. Right. Exactly. So uh yeah, so we began to film with Steve Martin kind of hustling, trying to get the money together to get this film made. And apparently he has like uh, people who he's worked with before, like I said, like Christine Baranski's character, Carol, who is mm-hmm. the over-the-hill actress, I guess, according to the DVD. Um, yeah. And uh, like she, she is uh, like he, like her and Bobby know each other very well, and 
you know, Bobby always yeah. is promising her work and he's she, never she's, like, coming through. She's calling him up at the beginning. She's like, I've got to go out of town for a part in, in a touring production of Cats. And, and he's like, no, 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 stay. I've got, I've got something going. I'm getting something off the ground. And we see him uh, like just running around. He, he hustles the script. He goes over, he finds out a restaurant where a big time producer, uh, Jerry Renfro, played by Robert Downey Jr., is eating and he like fakes a phone call there and just kind of generates interest in the script that way. Right. <laughs> I, I do. I do like how he like in the, in the front, in the beginning uh, minutes, you see, he's like a total hustler. He's a bit of a, a thief, a con man. Like he's, he pretty much steals mm-hmm. a, not pretty much. He does steal a suit from a suit store to yeah. like, like he basically, he goes in his old dusty suit to a suit store. He looks at another suit the camera pans away, pans back. You see, he's wearing the suit, and his dusty suit is on the is on the uh, is on the hanger, and he just mm-hmm. puts it back. And like the way he hustles a, a car to get there, because um, he has a friend named Dave who is played by Jamie Kennedy, and Dave, his friend Dave is kind of his eyes and ears throughout Hollywood, and he ends up being his camera director during the film, and he uh, Dave is able to get him a car with the car phone in it, and I really like yeah. this part where. He takes the car phone out of the car because this is back when car phones right. were like built into the car with the with the cord. Yeah, Remember cords? it's nineteen ninety nine, so we're not quite in the cell phone world that we are uh, today. So yeah, um, he and yeah, he uses the car phone, um, and it's it's from a car that like Jamie Kennedy is supposed to be parking, <laughs> but right. Yeah, so he's he's like, oh, you have to get this car back in forty five minutes um, because you know the person's going to be ready to pick it up. Um, I totally forgotten that Robert Downey Jr. was in this movie. Um, he, it's not a big part, uh, and it's before Downey's comeback, or maybe it's on his like second comeback, something like that. Uh, you know, it was when uh, Downey Jr. was still having his troubles. I would say, I think he was. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh... Uh, persona non grata in Hollywood. Yeah. I'll, we'll say that. Yeah, but it, but it's kind of funny just to see Robert Downey Jr. in like a minor supporting role, where he's got he's got what maybe three scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's like really it's like a really small role, mm-hmm. but I guess at the time he was, he was taking it because it's kind of all he could get, or I don't know. That's what. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, but he's good. Like you know, he's a dude yeah. that grew up in Hollywood, so he knows these Hollywood types, these agents and whatnot. And I did like this. There was one scene where, um, cause it, you know, later on in the scene, uh, Bobby Bowfinger sits down next to, uh, Jerry Renfro, Robert Downey Jr.'s mm-hmm. character. And he's like pretending he's talking to no one on the cell phone and he's trying to right. generate interest. And he says, Oh, Hey Jerry, how's it going? It's Bobby Bowfinger. We work together on a thing. And yeah. And things like that. At one point he says, I got this hot script. Universal has been begging me for this script. And of course, that's like a wink to the fact that Universal actually put out the movie Bowfinger. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's like a little wink and a nod, which I enjoyed. And um, of course, immediately uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character can tell that Bobby Bowfinger is is full of a uh, full of poop, like he's just yeah. some two bit hustler with uh, no name. So he yeah, says, like yeah, he, he pretends that he has Kit Ramsey, a big superstar action star, on the phone, and. Downey's like, let me talk to him. And then, of course, Murphy, or excuse me, uh, uh, Martin 
uh, pretends that he loses him on the phone and he's just like oh these cell phones they're horrible and you can still see the cord from the car dangling <laughs> from the phone so uh yeah dangling. So, so danny's not buying uh steve martin's bs for a moment <laughs> right um so yeah so basically he calls his bluff saying hey look if you get ramsey to be in your film i'll uh, i'll green light it and like it's yeah. a way and i and I feel like he's still like basically just telling uh, Steve Martin what he wants to hear to get rid of the guy as quickly as possible. But Steve Martin, I think this kind of goes over his head or he just wants to believe it so badly. But he's like, well, if I can get Kit Ramsey to star in this movie, then ha we got a movie. Uh, so. Right. Uh, and then we cut to... Um... Uh, an introduction of Kit Ramsey in what I think is probably one of the funniest scenes in this thing. Uh-huh. I mean, my God, this scene! This scene is amazing. Just because we we are we're introduced to uh, Kit Ramsey, we find out he's he's a he's pompous. He he's also extremely paranoid, and mm-hmm. he's a bit neurotic. We see him like really fast talking to his agent, and it's amazing kind of dialogue he has with his agent. Like at one point. He's talking to his agent, who's right next to him, and says, "Hey, I, you know what? Well, how come this film, this script, doesn't have a catchphrase? I want my own catchphrase. I want like Arnold Schwarzenegger type of catchphrase. Like he has Asil Vista. Mm-hmm. I want something." And uh, the agent says, "Well, no, there's, there's there's a catchphrase in there. Like there's a line where you say, oh, nice to meet you, Cliff,' and then you push the guy off a cliff, and then yeah. <laughs> and then Kit Ramsey says, oh, see, no, that's that's too that's too cerebral for the people. They, they got to remember the guy's name is Cliff.'" And then I push him off a cliff. That's a whole thing. That's too much thinking. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Yeah, I don't know. That line. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, that line, there's a, that line says a lot. We're trying to make a movie, not a film. Like I, yeah. Part of me thinks that's how Hollywood people really talk. And he also is critical of the script because he was like, oh, there, there are this many Ks in the movie, and that's divisible by three. So you're, it's like KKK. So he's like seeing all these connections that aren't there. And we also find out that um, he is a member of this, uh, this cult called Mindhead, um, which is so not Scientology, you guys. Totally That's right. not Scientology. <laughs> That's right. Scientology, if you're listening, we're totally not talking about you. This movie is not about you, Scientologists. We don't, we don't want no beef. Oh, I mean, God. he go, he goes to the the meeting uh, for this group called Mindhead, and he meets with Terrence Stamp, the great Terrence Stamp, who's his guru. And he runs through like the premises. There's happy premise number one is there are no aliens. So completely different from Scientology, completely. Who, who believe that aliens uh, fly around in F-16s and steal souls and uh, all sorts of stuff. Right. I'll I'll give this to uh, Steve Martin. He was making fun of Scientologists before it was, you know, cool to do it. Like I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure Scientologists have been around for a while, but like 1999, mm-hmm. I don't remember too much, too many people talking about think, it. Yeah, I think back then, Premier Magazine had done a few exposés of Scientology, but it still wasn't real widely known, and it wasn't widely known just how nutty Scientology was and is. Um, so yeah, yeah. So he's, he's getting a little ahead of the curve. So yeah, that's off to Steve yeah. Martin. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Kit Ramsey, we see he's extremely paranoid. He has, he, he might be kind of schizophrenic a little bit. Cause like he's constantly telling himself to keep it together. That's his mantra. Keep it together, mm-hmm. keep it together. And then we also learn that he has this strong need 
or is obsessed with showing his penis to the LA Laker girls, sure. which is like, yeah. which I is, mean, um, all right, that's a, that's a, that's a direction to go. He into. wants all to right. show it to the Laker girls. Yeah. <laughs> he has a strong compulsion and, uh, uh, Terrence Stamp is like, yeah, you know, maybe that's not the best, uh, use of your time. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's he's trying to counsel uh, Kit Ramsey to keep it together, but yeah, Kit Ramsey not all there. Um, and we see uh, Steve Martin; he manages to get his script to Kit Ramsey. He kind of sneaks in to his estate uh, to to the, uh, in from the front gate of his mansion and gets the script to him by pretending it's a script that he was waiting for. Um, by the way, uh, Eddie Murphy's home in this movie, Stately Wayne Manor from the 1960s Batman series. So, Ooh, yeah. lovely. So he lived nice. in Wayne Manor. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, like he, he basically, yeah, like uh, Bobby Bowfinger pretends to be from Paramount, he says. And then mm -hmm. um, I think at, at that point, Kit says, like, I'm not expecting he's from Paramount. I said, like, oh, did I say Paramount? I meant Universal. It's all oh, Universal, right? Maybe. Yeah, let me, let me see that. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, of course, then uh, Bobby says, "Oh no, the script is butter. It's butter. It's Jiggy Baby." And then he mentions Mindhead, and then he—that's how he's able to get it to him. And then, like you know, Kit slowly realizes he's not from Mindhead and throws him and the script out. Yeah. 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 Um, so. So it's going swimmingly. <laughs> it's going fantastic. So then um, he goes, yeah. So then Bobby goes. So then Bobby goes back to his people. Uh, he he looks them in the eye, and you could he could tell that they're really hanging their hopes on him and the fact that this movie gets made. So of course he lies mm -hmm. and says, "Oh yeah, no, Kit Ramsey agrees to be in this film. We're going to do it. We're making this movie. Everybody's happy." And of course Bobby's trying to is like, "Oh, how do I, how do I do this now?" And he has the idea to. Shoot this film in with uh without Kim without Kit knowing he's in it, right? Which, he's just going to shoot it on the sly, and he's going to enlist all his actors, and they're, they're, we're basically just going to ambush Kit Ramsey uh, out in public and right. uh, build a movie around which, <laughs> around those moments. Um, and since look, the I'm, movie's about aliens. Kit's going to be freaking out at all the strange people acting around him. Um, right. There was. I just want to mention one thing. Uh, Steve Martin at one point early in the movie he mentions that he's forty nine, and I'm and I'm forty nine right now. So I was just like, oh, I am feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. Steve Martin was actually over forty nine at this point in his life, but I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I know. It's just like he that that silver uh, white hair has, has always been with him for a while, so it's always hard to tell. Yeah. How old it he is. It throws you. Yeah, you always kind of think of Steve Martin as being older than he is because he, he's had white hair since like the late 70s. So, yeah, tough to gauge his age. But I was like, I am not supposed to be the same age as Steve Martin. This is, oh, my God, I'm getting old. So, <laughs> up, um, up so yeah, so this movie in, instigated a midlife crisis in me. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. So that was fun. <laughs> I look forward to uh, seeing you in your new uh, leather jacket and your your newly purchased Maserati, good sir. Yes, yes. Um, and speaking of midlife crises, uh, we need a much younger woman for Eddie Mur for uh, Steve Martin to date. I keep saying Eddie Murphy. Um, so we have we have Heather Graham 
who who comes in as uh, what's Daisy. her character name? Daisy. Okay, and she's she literally is getting off the bus from Ohio at the uh, beginning of this movie, and she's ready to make it in Hollywood. She's an aspiring starlet. She's given herself like one week to make it, which seems like a totally reasonable time frame. Yeah, if you don't make it after one week, give it up. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's just a good rule for life. Um, yeah. just, <laughs> try anything for one week. If it if you're not where you want to be by the end of that week, yeah, give it up. After seven days, if you're not there, was it meant to be? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, we, we see her and, you know, she's in like this. She's like looks very young and innocent and... We think, oh, well, she's just this young, aspiring actress who's going to get chewed up by this town. But yeah, her character takes an interesting turn over the course of the movie. Oh, indeed. Uh, I mean, do you want to talk? Do you want to? Should we yeah, talk about that? Let's go ahead. Let's get into it. Uh, yeah. So it's it's like you said, like um, you see her getting off the bus. It's a stereotypical, you know, girl from the Midwest, uh, you know, pigtails. The first thing she says as soon as she goes off the bus, she asks somebody, oh, excuse me, where do I go to be an actress? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you think she's going to be this kind of, like you said, like naive type of woman. But uh, as the movie goes on, we see she's a lot more savvy than we give her credit for. And um, I mean, there's no right way to say it, but she she basically sleeps her way to the top. She She's leapfrogging her way through the cast and crew of the movie. I mean, she starts out. She start. She starts out. Uh, she seduces one of her co-stars, who's like a young guy in the movie, and then, then she goes to the screenwriter, which seems like a step down. Um, <laughs> and and she she's basically just trying to get her her part increased throughout the movie. Then she moves on to Bowfinger, and then she moves on to another person starring in the movie, who we haven't gotten to yet, and. Right. And uh, uh, I read in the IMDb trivia that uh, the character Daisy was based on uh, Anne Heche, who Steve Martin was dating at the time. I think she was dating. I think Anne Heche dated Steve Martin before she had her very famous relationship with Ellen DeGeneres. Do I have that right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I think I think Steve Martin was working through some things. Yeah. You know, life is imitating art here. Uh, but I also, yeah, I do remember, like, Anne Hayes was, like, around in the, in the late 90s. She was kind of a, a big deal for a minute. And, like, mm -hmm. I do kind I do, I mean, it was that, and, like, uh, I don't know. Wasn't she also said to have, like, been abducted by aliens at some point or something? There was, yeah, she had her, her, um, I, I, she had her mental problems. She had some sort of, I don't know if it's fair to, I guess, delusions. I guess you could say. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think she's worked that out. I think she's, you know, got the help and meds she needed. And yeah. And uh, she, she ended up getting married, didn't she? After she I, and Ellen broke up, she like got married to a guy, I think. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too. Cause like, I think when uh, her and Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen DeGeneres were together, people were happy for them, but then they broke up and she ended up with a guy like a straight yeah. guy, and people are like, "Oh wait, I th we thought you were uh, gay." And I mean, I know you know sexuality is fluid and everything, but it, yeah. I know a lot of people kind of were giving her a little bit of side eye, think 
thinking, oh, did she just... It, it was a weird use... thing because for a while there in the late 90s, like, Ellen and Anne Heche were, like, the poster people, the poster children for for being gay in Hollywood because it wasn't it wasn't as open of a thing uh, back then. I mean, Ellen DeGeneres coming out and saying, yeah, I'm gay and I'm in a relationship with a woman, that was... That was a big that deal. That was just not really done back then. Not at all. So to have them, you know, be out and proud at that time, that was a, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal. So to go from that to Anne H being like, oh, I'm, I'm not gay anymore, and I'm yeah. just going to because I married this dude. I, yeah, I, I, think I don't, I I don't the, know if she ever like actually denied she was gay or not. I it's been ages since I followed any of that story. But okay. uh, I, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll yeah. I'll take that back. Yeah, she did. But like for her, from her for her to you know marry a, a man that I know that rubbed some people the wrong way. I'll say that. yeah. They, they, I think they took that as I guess a betrayal. Um. So yeah. So um. If this character is inspired by Anne Heche, which apparently it was, uh, yeah, not the most favorable interpretation. Yeah. I mean, I could see a lot of people, like, I don't know if something like that would fly nowadays because it would be like, oh, it's just, oh, you know, pretty blonde woman sleeps her way to the top, you know, perpetuating that uh-huh. stereotype. But you, and I, I do see that angle of it, but you could also say this doesn't paint the guys in a very flattering light either, where, all a woman That's has true. to do, all a woman has to do is you know show you the goods and give you uh, give you access to the to the the, the, there, the love love tunnel and you'll do whatever you want. Or she, there is there is a I think it might be my favorite scene or favorite exchange in the movie was at one point after she is hooked up with Steve Martin's Bowfinger character, um, <laughs> he discovers that she's seduced somebody else involved with production. And he 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 goes up to her and he's like, "Can I go talk? Can I talk to you privately for a minute?" And they they excuse themselves. They go outside and he's like, "Well, why did you sleep with this person?" And she and and she just, what did she say? I didn't write down the. She was like, "Oh, I didn't realize that was a big deal." And he goes, "Oh, I never thought of it like that." And she goes, "Oh, okay. So are you good? Good, good." And then they just walk. Yeah. And it's so quickly resolved. It's very funny. He just yeah. turns on a dime. Yeah, I think at the at that point it's uh, they both realize yeah this isn't love or anything we're just kind of using each other and that's also like uh, yeah. they also kind of allude to that they don't allude to it they actually say it during the scene where uh, Daisy goes over to Bowfinger's house to quote unquote talk and yeah. like they they end up dating uh, not dating but like they're having this lovely night and they're talking and mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to connect at one point she says oh yeah I love music too do you love Smashing Pumpkins. And Bowfinger says, "Yeah, I love to do that." And then, yes, uh, at, and then, like when they're hooking up, she uh, excuses herself to use the bathroom. And as she's using the bathroom, mm-hmm. Bowfinger kind of looks at a purse and sees her bank card. So he quick he yes. takes her bank, he steals her bank card, her ATM card. And um, then, as they hook up, she says, "I will never, you know, I'll never use you." And he says, "I'll never betray your trust." Even though that's exactly yeah. what each of them, and then they doing. they cut to him getting like tons of film and equipment the next day on her card. Um, so yeah, uh, Bowfinger does not have a lot of capital on on his date with Daisy. Uh, <laughs> they're literally eating TV dinners together. Uh, 
And oh yeah, the, yeah. At one point, yeah, at one point, he feels like a bottle of wine with tap water. Yeah, yeah. Classy. And early in the film, uh, he's he's talking about his financing. He's like, "Well, I put a dollar away every week since I was ten years old, and now I have like two thousand something dollars, and that's really all you need to produce a movie, uh, <laughs> like all the salaries and stuff, all." All the money that's on screen is just really about two thousand dollars. So, right, yeah. So we, th- that's why he's like scrambling so much throughout this movie, and why they decide to shoot this movie on the sly. And he's deceiving pretty much everyone involved with the production to some degree or another. He tells the other actors in the movie, "Oh yeah, no, Kit Kit Ramsey. He doesn't want to be bothered. He's some method. He wants to just pretend that he's the character. So you're not supposed to approach him at all." After outside of the the scenes when we're not shooting so everyone's basically just assaulting him in the street yes it's very uh, very gorilla as you could say yeah. and um and uh, speaking so we have our cast with the you know the people that he knows we should all we should really talk about how he gets the crew for this mm-hmm. film because that scene was uh that's hilarious. a very funny scene yes yeah yeah so uh basically they say all right we need to get a crew together the best crew money can buy. Cut to a scene where um, illegal immigrants are running across the border, and right. we and Bowfinger and Afrim are telling them to get in the trunk or get in the back of this open of their open van while yeah. um, they're getting shot at by uh, federales and uh, guards. So. Yeah, yeah, and then they just take off with whoever dives into the van, and then that's and. And it's funny because you see these uh, guys get acclimated to Hollywood over the course of the movie. I mean, uh, like late in the film, they're discussing a, a shot that they got of Kit Ramsey on the sly. And then they're talking about like, oh, yeah, I decided to do this with the F-stop to get a little, like nice little halo effect around him. And by the end of the movie, they've got their own cells. They're in like these flashy suits and they're taking calls and they're making deals. And I like that. I like that they weren't just... You know the stereotypical illegals uh, throughout the movie. So that, that yeah, was that, that that was a nice touch. I did enjoy that too. But yeah, the scene—I mm-hmm. don't know—something about the scene where they're just like diving into an empty van while uh, yeah. gunfire, you know, is all over the place. That's that, that that's that's just. I mean, look, is it politically correct? No. Is it funny? Yeah, I say yes. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. So uh, everyone's just sort of <laughs> going up to Kit Ramsey in the street and they're and they're babbling these paranoid things about aliens and stuff like that, because the movie is about aliens who come to Earth in the form of raindrops, hence the chubby rain. Um, and right. Kit Ramsey, of course, because he's uh, in the uh, the mind head cult. Uh, and their happy premise number one is there are no aliens. Kit's in denial of this, but he's got people coming up all over saying talking about aliens. So he's like, well, maybe there right. are aliens. I don't. I don't know what to think now. I right. The alien. Yeah, the alien talk uh, triggers him. But there's actually another part in this film that I really liked, where uh, Kit Ramsey is talking to his agent again at this outdoor mm-hmm. cafe. And it's uh, you, you probably know what I'm talking about where Kit Ramsey talking about like how he he doesn't get nominated for Oscars. He says, "Well, I don't get nominated for Oscars because you know I, I don't play slave roles, and then they don't nominate black people unless you play a slave role. Like you know, if you're right. a black person, you play and, a slave and, role, and, and you if get, you get whipped, 
Yeah, exactly. And it's like if you're black, you play a slave role, you get the nomination. If you're a white guy, you play an idiot, you get the uh, you get the Oscar. Like find yeah. me a role where I play like a mentally challenged slave, and then I'd get the Oscar. But he doesn't say right. mentally challenged. He says, you know. He says that that word that uh, you know from Tropic Thunder, you know that you never yeah. go full. <laughs> yeah, and and that's when it kind of hit me. It's like, oh wow, like what he's saying now is what Robert Downey Jr. says in Tropic Thunder with his full R word mm-hmm. rant. Yep, it's like, wow, like people were talking about it back then. How you don't, huh? There's there's a few gems in here that's like kind of ahead of its time. Well, I mean, it wasn't that long after, you know, I'd say probably the most famous example of that would be uh, Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. So, right. Uh, I know people bring up that. I am Sam. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there was like a few of those where Peter Sellers was nominated for an Oscar for being there. And he was like a, a man with uh, mental challenges. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's a thing. It's a recurrent thing throughout Hollywood history. Um yeah, I mean, no. uh, wasn't Russell Crowe in that movie, A uh, Beautiful Mind? That's, I mean, you could sort of say that, too. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. That could be another example. But, uh, but yeah, and also part of me kind of thought, oh, is this is this like Eddie Murphy talking about how he doesn't get nominated for Oscars, too? Like, Because I know there's a good amount of improv in this film. So part of me was thinking, oh, is this, mm-hmm. is this Eddie Murphy speaking from the heart here? I wonder. Well, I mean, Eddie Murphy, by this point in his career, he'd largely done comedies. I don't think he'd done any real dramatic roles. Uh, Dreamgirls was still in his future. Um, and comedy is traditionally very underappreciated uh, by the mm. Academy. I mean, the only... There are very few big Oscar nominations for comedic performances. I mean, there was Kevin Klein for A Fish Called Wanda, I think he won for that, if I remember correctly. But uh, I can't think of too many others, honestly. I mean, Annie Hall, and that's pretty much, that's all I could think of. Right, yeah. I mean, comedy is just so underappreciated. And it is, it can be, like, tougher than, than dramatic roles in some ways. I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing to make somebody laugh. And it's a tough thing to have a great comedic performance. And... Eddie Murphy has a great comedic performance in this movie. I think uh, his his portrayal of Kit Ramsey is pretty standard stuff, but uh, his uh, the other character that Eddie Murphy plays in this movie, I think, is a great, great performance. As, as oh, uh, yeah, we could we can get into that. Let's talk about let's talk about Jeff. Yeah, I mean, uh, Steve Martin. He at one point just getting the the all the footage of Kit Ramsey on the sly, it's not quite enough for his needs. So he says, what we need is somebody who looks like Kit Ramsey and we can get footage of him and we can shoot him from behind and have him in scenes with the other actors. So they find this nerdy guy named Jif, who's also played by A. Murphy. Uh, right. But I think longer hair and they're like, you know, would you be willing to cut your hair? And he's like, well, yeah, but it's better if somebody else does it. <laughs> Yeah, because I think at, at at one point, like they did the gorilla thing with Kit Ramsey and messed with his mind so many times, it kind of it kind of he he had like a meltdown, like a nervous breakdown. Like at the like uh, there's yeah. one scene where they wanted to film him uh, in a underground garage, and they want to have yes. they want to make it sound like somebody's following him. So they put high heels on Bowfinger's dog, and they just yeah. kind of hide behind cars, and of course that triggers Kit's uh, paranoia to the point where he needs to be in the mind head um, 
and the mine had uh, sort of relax relaxation uh, uh, homes. Yeah. So like he's so like he's kind of hiding out in Mindhead. So and um and then Bobby Bowfinger's buddy Dave is like, yeah, I don't know where he is. Like he's he's off the grid. So now we need. So then they try to find other people to who look like uh, Kit to replace him. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like how they try to ha- they hold auditions for Kit lookalikes. At one point, they yeah. get one guy who is like studied at Juilliard and whatnot. And then Bobby asks him, "Are, are you in the union?" And he says, "Yes, of course I am." And cut to him getting immediately kicked out of their home. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he needs he needs somebody naive that he can exploit, and you know that, and that's where they find Jeff, uh, who's who's like this ultra nerdy guy. And I, I think it's I think it's one of Eddie Murphy's best performances, honestly. I mean, because it's so yeah. it's so unlike Eddie Murphy. There's no there's none of that swagger that you usually associate with Eddie Murphy, you know? Yeah, because I mean, when you think Eddie Murphy, you think you know, fast talking, you know, a lot of bravado, a lot of a lot of machismo. Mm-hmm. You think you think Kit Ramsey? I think Kit Ramsey is, right. is like you know, I mean, well, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy he's one of those guys who who always who usually plays like the smartest guy in the room, who's like the fastest, the wittiest. And uh, yeah. And uh, Jif is so not that. And it's, it's cool to see Eddie Murphy play somebody so different from himself. And, and it's one of those roles that really makes you realize how versatile Eddie Murphy is. And he's not, he's not like buried in makeup the way he is in a lot of his other movies. So, so that's cool. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, no, it was a really good performance to show how much range he had. I really, I really dug it as well. And of course, they hire Jif because he looks just like uh, Kit. And while he's the lead actor, he also gets to go run errands for them. Like, you know, yes, the yeah, he, he gets the fun of being a gopher and getting coffee for people. Yeah, uh-huh. and he's actually more he's actually more excited about running errands and being a gopher and going on Starbucks runs than he is about actually being in the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. And so they shoot things with him. They shoot uh, like a topless scene uh, with Daisy, like where she's like trying to seduce the Kit Ramsey character, but of course it's Jeff standing in for him. And like she take she takes off her her shirt in front of him, and he he just goes like, "This is awesome." Um, <laughs> and he just reacts like this nerdy nerdy guy. And there's there's also a very funny scene where. Uh, Daisy has this long spiel about how she'll only do nudity under certain circumstances, like if it's vital for the character and it's important for the plot and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, you really realize that she's totally willing to do it for at the drop of a hat. <laughs> because yes, just anything to get a hat. Yeah, she's really, you get the impression that she, oh, she's really like a, like a go-getter here. She's really trying to get herself into this movie as much as possible. You you get the feeling she would do the entire movie topless if it just moved her career forward one iota. <laughs> so it's yes. not a big deal for her at all. Um, yes. And yeah. they I also learned... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, when Eddie Murphy Ed, um, said those lines, you know, uh, when Daisy is topless, you know, you're doing great, you're going to be a star. Those were ad-libbed, according to uh, yes. IMDb. Yes, yes. Um, and they also have Kit doing things like running across traffic on the LA freeway and 
Bowfinger's telling him, oh, no, don't worry. These are all stunt drivers. Every, every single one is a stunt driver. And they have him running across traffic. And, of course, it's it's real traffic. It's just people speeding across. And and uh, Jeff is nearly getting himself killed. Um, they did that scene in a very clever way, I understand. They just had him... They, they did close off the highway for real. And they had Eddie Murphy run across the uh the highway but they just put in all the cars with cgi after so that's cool oh that's yeah. pretty neat no stunt drivers oh. necessary and uh cgi in 1999 i guess it was a state where we could do we could do cars fairly convincingly so movie magic movie magic not too shabby mm-hmm. uh so yeah so the you know the, the shoot is going well it's going but they still need Kit Ramsey in a few scenes if they can get him. They want to. They still want to do the gorilla type of uh, filming, and uh, yeah. then Carol says that. Oh yeah, I know where he'll be. Um, he'll be, he has to be at this um, this clothing store where he's going to do like a like where he promised to do like a like a like a photo shoot for some. Uh, yeah, for some... Uh, Carol uh, Christine Baranski's character. She overheard that he was going to be at this clothing store on Friday at four p.m. because they we. When they're shooting a scene on the sly earlier in the movie, they're showing Kit Ramsey clothing uh, that he might want to buy. And they're like, well, we'll give this all for you for free if you can come back and let yourself be photographed in the clothing. Is And he's like, well, I'll do that, but you have to pay me for my time. Uh, and then and Carol comes up and she's like, oh, I'm, no, I'm not supposed to say anything, but I'm so happy to be working with you. And I love that what you're doing in the movie. And And he's just like, why is this insane person approaching me um i'm not making a movie uh but it's because right. of this that she knows that he's going to be at a certain place at a certain time so they decide to take advantage of that right so they do the same thing again where they set up guerrilla style of uh, jiff is uh from is on the roof of a building and he drops down a microphone uh dave steals a car he steals jerry renfro's you know cherry car for this shoot like dave is really mm-hmm. just kind of Stealing a lot of stuff for this film shoot, just equipment, film, yeah, like the whole the whole McGilla. He's he's a lot he's of stealing going on. Yeah. A lot yeah. of stealing. So much and, stealing, uh, guys. So much stealing. Um, and uh, yes, there's, there's there's one line I really love. It might be my favorite line in the film, uh, where it, during one of the scenes when they're approaching Kit Ramsey on the street, and one of them. Is talking about plutonium because it, it figures into the plot of Chubby Rain, the, the movie that they're shooting. And Kit Ramsey immediately goes, hey, I I have that plutonium. That plutonium is mine, and it has been registered to use for religious purposes. And then they just cut to Steve Martin going, he's actually got plutonium? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Funny line. It's, yeah, it's a very funny line. And it's, you know, if you told me that Tom Cruise has plutonium, I would, I would be like, yeah, that sounds plausible. I, I could, I could see that. I can, I could see that he could make that happen. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise could on. totally get some plutonium if he wanted to. He's That's got a plutonium. Be the next Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> He's got a plutonium guy, definitely. He's got a plutonium guy. He totally has a plutonium guy on <laughs> speed dial. You want plutonium? I can get you plutonium. I can give you plutonium yeah. by three o'clock tonight. He's like, yeah, I'm an, enough with the hanging off the airplanes and stuff like that. I'm for my next movie, next Mission Impossible. I'm just going to be in the same room as Plutonium and and 
irritate myself. <laughs> and oh that'll my be God. my latest life-threatening stunt. Good. Yike. Oof. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so we see them shooting this scene. And we also see uh, Bobby Bofringer and the crew setting up across the street in a movie theater. And uh, we see Bobby talking to a, the, a guy cleaning up in the movie theater saying, hey, who are you? And Bobby's like, oh, yeah, no, we were supposed to be here today to do the film shoot. Did, did uh, so-and-so not tell you? And the uh, guy cleaning up is like, no, I didn't hear anything. That guy cleaning up, John Cho. Yeah, I recognize – he doesn't really get a close-up or anything, but I recognize him from, by his voice. Uh, so right. it's John Cho. This would be the, like the same year as American Pie, right? Wasn't that uh, 99? 99 or 98. I feel like it was. Yeah. 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 I was around that time. But yeah, he yeah. was just okay. he was just getting started his uh, his career. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's always fun to see uh somebody in a small role in a movie before they br- break out in a big way. So yeah. It's pretty rad. And yeah. uh yeah, so then so then this the scene gets shot. Um of course random people walking up to Kid Ramsey talking about aliens and uh, plutonium. All this, yeah. of course, triggers Kit Ramsey, and he has like a a, a nervous breakdown. <laughs> he runs away. Um, he hops. He didn't hop into a car, but he runs on the side to, on the side of a bus, which of course the bus has a billboard for the LA Lakers, which also triggers him. Like, yeah, Kit Ramsey, this poor man. He's just he's just <laughs> like inundated with all these things that are just. Triggering his mental illness to like unfathomable uh, depths. He's he's got a, a a very tenuous grasp on his sanity. Uh, he's having a tough time of it. Right, and then um, so then the the crew shoots everything, and then then the crew has lunch, and that's when we learn that Jif is actually um, Kit's brother. Yeah, they're complimenting him on how much he like looks like Kit Ramsey. He's like, "Well, that's a talent." I mean, uh, you know, Robert De Niro, he can't look like Kit Ramsey, and and uh, Jeff is like, "Well, you know, it's not that strange." I mean, I am his brother, and he just says it in this offhand way, and everyone at the table is just like, "Um, you're actually related to him? Um, why did this not come up before?" And you see, when they're leaving the restaurant, uh, Daisy is immediately sliding up to Jif because she's like, hey, he's this big time Hollywood star's brother. He can get me to the next level. So, yeah, yeah, she's just she's pretty shameless about it at this point. Yeah, you can actually see it when they're all having lunch, because when they're having lunch, uh, you know, Bob, Bobby has I mean, no, uh, Daisy has his arm around Bobby. They're like linked up by arms. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Jif says, oh, yeah, I'm Kit's brother, like she's staring at him and she slowly takes his arm away from Bobby and just uh-huh. <laughs> and just while staring at him and so yeah it's it's on yeah yeah <laughs> so and then not long after that uh Jif comes in and excitedly tells uh Bobby Bowfinger oh yeah you'd never guess what just happened I just slept with Daisy she gave me the works <laughs> yeah so and that and that's when we have that that cute scene of uh Steve Martin it, taking her out and saying like, "Did you did you sleep with Jeff?" And she's just like, "So?" And he goes, "Well, I need to look at it like that." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> so, I just love yeah. how it turns on a dime. That, that was a very funny yeah. scene. Yeah, they know what it is. It it is what yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Right. Uh, so then as the movie goes on, we see uh, another scene where Dave is stealing camera equipment and film equipment. He's been doing this throughout the whole film, stealing all this equipment because yeah. he worked at a studio. And um, as he's putting back the equipment, we see that a security guard noticing him putting this equipment back. So the, mm-hmm. the security guard looks at the a camera. He sees the name Kit Ramsey's on it. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. And uh, he immediately goes to Mindhead with this information because he is a member of the uh, Mindhead cult, which is in no way like Scientology. Yeah. So, just a happy coincidence. Yep. Any similarities are <laughs> are, mm-hmm. are purely coincidental, like it says in the in the text at the end of the movie. Right. Uh, yeah, so um, then we're, we're getting we're getting close to the uh, f- uh, end of the filming this movie. They're go out, they're out to film the final scene, and um, Daisy lets Bobby know that he, she knows that you know Kit doesn't know he's in this film. They're shooting, and I think she she found out because somebody on the crew told her, and of course we see that Dave told her because like, she got in good with Dave now too. It's just yeah, like just all these guys just. Just all, just letting everything loose. All this information they're telling, just because, uh, just, uh, just a beautiful woman lets you know lets her do uh, do the deed. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, uh, she's she's got all the guys in this movie wrapped around her finger. <laughs> so right, and of course and, she says like, she, yeah, she says like I may be from Ohio, but I'm not from Ohio. <laughs> yes, yeah, that that's that's a cool bit where we learn that she's a lot more savvy than she lets on. She wasn't. She isn't nearly she's either acclimated to Hollywood really quickly or she was never quite as naive as she was presented in the early scenes. I think it's kind of up to you to decide. Um, I think it's probably funnier if she's just acclimated that quickly, like she did start out that naive. But then she's she becomes that jaded and that uh, savvy that quickly. But up to you. Yeah, up to you. The interpretation is up to you, the viewer. That's right. So, um, uh, yeah, so then yeah, we, so, um, I mean, we're, we're getting towards, uh, the, the film's getting close to finished. We really just have like the big climax to shoot and they do this at, out at the LA observatory. Um, uh, great, great movie locations. We've seen it in a ton of movies. Right. Right. Uh, I think, at, yeah, well, at this point, um, the, they've shot like this car chasing where they've, cha- they've track down Kit Ramsey's car who's in the back who's uh he's in the back yeah. seat and uh yeah they're, they're chasing him down they're shooting everything uh at one point they have a car driven by the lead actor cut Kit Ramsey off and uh Jeff who's in the trunk of the car dressed as a space alien point a ray gun at him of course again this triggers Kit like again Kit is just getting just mentally abused throughout this entire film yeah and um, yeah, so then they they're able to pull over his car. The cop car comes. Uh, the cop car is uh, the cops are played by Afrim, who's the screenwriter of the film, and um, an, and another cop who uh, Bowfinger was able to talk into being part of the he, film. He recruits. The yeah, when the cop approaches him, he's like, "Hey, do you have a filming permit?" And uh, Bowfinger manages to recruit him. Is like, "Have you ever considered an acting career?" And we see in the later mo- uh, scenes that he's he's gotten this cop on his side. Yes. Right. Because if you're in LA, of course you thought about being in the pictures. Yes. 
That's that's just that's just uh, that's just how it goes. And so, uh, yeah, so yeah, so then we see the cops um, trying to arrest Kit, of, and then uh, we see uh, Afrim has like some melting device on his head, so it looks like he's melting from the chubby rain. Name of the mm-hmm. film, and uh, then we see Daisy pull up in the car, and he takes Kit away to escape. Everything's being filmed, and at this point. I think Kit Ramsey is just ha- just he's just going with the madness because he's just nothing here makes sense. I think of I guess I am this person they say I am this Keith guy. Maybe I should just go along with this pretty pretty blonde woman in the car and save or it's from these aliens. I, I think he's at this point he's like totally lost it. So he's just going along with whatever they're all saying. Right. Right. Yeah. So Anna. Yeah, so then they go to, like you said, they go to the observatory. They go up to where the telescope is, and he's supposed to say his catchphrase, which is "Gotcha, suckers," which yeah, is and that's, that's, like, that's, that's like the big final line of the movie, right? And, and, and it's once, like the one thing they still need to get, right? Once they get that, the film's over and they wrapped. So mm-hmm. it's at night now. Uh, they have him at the observatory. Of he's supposed to say "Gotcha, suckers," and Everybody's hanging on to it, like Bobby Bowfinger. He's like, "Oh, this is it. This is the moment. This is this is on this is on the poster, baby. Yeah!" And just as he's about to say "Gotcha, suckers," we see some helicopters come up in the distance. And I don't know about you, but I, at first I thought it was the cops, and it turns out, no, no, it's the people at Mindhead. Mindhead has helicopters, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, uh, that checks out. <laughs> Story I checks believe out. It. Yes, Tom Cruise has plutonium. And uh, certain uh, cult, certain cults in LA have helicopters. None of which are right. uh, Scientology. No, no. I mean, no, why? I why would you think that? Um, I, I, I wouldn't has, think as yachts. They have cruise ships. Yes. So. <laughs> and I'm sure that Hollywood. everyone who works those cruise ships is totally there on a voluntary basis, and there's nothing shady going on there whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, I gotta watch that Leah Remini show, by the way. Oh, the documentary or the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta start uh, watching that. That's uh, I, because I, I know I know some of the shit that's gone down, but I'm sure I don't know all the shit that's gone down. And holy shit, some I shit bet, has. I bet there's, I bet there's some shit that has gone down. Oh, oh, the stories, the stories. <laughs> this is stories. Yes. Oof! It's it gets dark. It gets. That's all I'll say. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um. So yeah. So uh, Terrence Stamp, the leader of my head, comes out, approaches Bowfinger, sees what's really going on, and of course, Bowfinger immediately says, "This is this film is for. Uh, it was only for Madagascar and Iran. It's not. It's not subject to American laws." And uh, yeah. Bowfinger immediately knows the jig is up. Uh, yeah. Cut to. Of course, a scene where they didn't get their final shot. Bowfinger has to come clean to everybody saying, yeah, we didn't get Kit Ramsey's permission. And uh, the film is dead. Hmm. Yep. The end. <laughs> that's, and that's how it ends on a downer. Like Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it, Bowfinger. It's Tinseltown. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so what ends up happening is like everybody's down and depressed. Uh, Carol 
is a little bit more forgiving. She says, oh, it, it was it's kind of a beautiful lie. Like he did all this mm-hmm. just for us and he was trying to make it happen, albeit extremely illegally. He was trying to make it happen. Uh, and so what happens is the, the film crew says, hey, hey, boss, uh, we were shooting some B-roll. You know, Dave told us to shoot all this B-roll of Kit Ramsey without right. his knowing. Do you want to just look at it? Maybe we could piece something and, and together. This is, this is a scene where we realize that the illegal immigrants have really gotten acclimated and they've gotten good at their jobs somehow. They've, they've picked up enough working on this film that it's just like, hey, we know what we're doing now. And, and that's kind of cool to see. I like the, I liked that twist. Right. Like they know about apertures and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lenses and all, all that jargon. So they're, and they, they're they, pretty good. They shoot, they've got some footage of Kit Ramsey at a Laker game, and we see him like at courtside seats, and he's just got he's got like this thousand yard stare. He's like staring at the Laker girls, and you can tell he's just like, Yeah, I gotta show it to him. I gotta I gotta do that thing. You know, and he's he's just fighting that compulsion. And then we see footage of him sort of like lurking around a corner, and we don't see the rest of what Bowfinger and the rest of the crew sees, but Bowfinger just gets a huge smile on his face and he's like, we've got the end of our movie. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Bowfinger showing this to Terrence Stamp and the, the head of, uh, uh, what is it called? Mindhead. And we see the rest of the footage and it's it's uh, Kit Ramsey. He's just like lurking in the, the stadium after the game as the Laker girls are like leaving. And then Kit Ramsey puts a bag over his head and he comes out with a trench coat and like flashes them and shows it. And then all the Laker girls immediately break out into laughter. (laughs) So apparently whatever he showed them (laughs) underneath his trench coat was not terribly impressive. Not, not the response you want. (laughs) Uh, No, no, that is not the ideal response. So no, no one wants to hear laughter when they show and showing off the dong. I guess not. No, uh, so. <laughs> not the time for comedy. No, no, not not the ideal response. Um, so right. they, yeah, they they basically blackmail them into giving him Kit Ramsey to finish out their film. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I also like how at one point uh, Bobby almost calls their organization organization mindfuck. But he corrects himself uh-huh. as mind head. So I, <laughs> yeah. Again, again, nothing like Scientology, but I not I, a I bit, could, not a bit. Nope. Uh, so yeah, cut two. The film gets finished and the film gets released. We see uh, Daisy, Heather Graham's character, arm in arm with Kit Ramsey. Now they're dating, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, during the uh, the film, the film's released, the big red carpet uh, debut. Um. Bobby Bowfinger and Dave and Carol get the uh, cheapo seats in the front, front row, and yeah. they have to crane where, their where necks. They're up like to... kind of looking up at the screen in an angle. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then they, you get, you see this look on Bobby's face, like, yeah, I did it. I fucking like, you know, the magic of cinema is he's take is taken away with him, where he's like, yeah, I, I hustled, I scraped, I did numerous illegal things to get this film done. But by, by golly, it's done. I did it. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And then there's a big celebration at um, Bowfinger Studios, a.k.a. Bobby's house. 
everybody's celebrating, drinking, and we see Daisy is arm in arm with this woman, Farah, who is one of the most powerful lesbians in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, ooh, yeah. Steve Martin working through some stuff about the Anne Heche relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he has some things on his mind. He had some things to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so Daisy, Daisy's willing to even switch sides just to get ahead. Um, so, hey, man, do, do what you got to do, man. Do what you got to do. Uh, <laughs> And um, yeah, so everybody, and we see, like you said, all the crew members have cell phones now. They're all wearing uh, suits, blazers with uh, t-shirts underneath it. They're all sort of acclimated to the business now. And then we mm-hmm. see uh, a FedEx truck had the package for Bobby Bowfinger, which is a nod to something Bobby said in the beginning of the film, where he says, you know, you know, one of these days that FedEx truck is going to stop in front of this house and it's going to give me an envelope. That's how I'll know I've made it. I'm, I am somebody. Right. So that's course, the dream. Yeah. So of course, of course, you know by the end of the film, the FedEx truck is going to stop by, in front of his house, drop him off an, uh, you know, an envelope, and the envelope mm-hmm. is an offer to shoot a film in Taiwan with Jeff. Yes, yes, with Jeff, who I guess got billing in the film, um, and uh, then we cut to them shooting the big climax of their martial arts epic, uh, Fake Purse Ninjas. And we see that most everybody from uh, Chubby Rain is in the film. Carol and Daisy and uh, even Bobby Bowfinger is on screen now. And he's playing Jif's brother. And they're uh, playing a martial arts duo, taking on a ton of fake purse ninjas. Right. And we see some horrible kung fu from Jif as he's like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of fighting, but also terrified. <laughs> but, yeah. And he's like, he's, and, he's uh, basically just gesturing. And then all the ninja people are just like flipping around backwards. Like they just got hit. So, yeah, there's also one hilarious scene where Jif walks by a mirror and in the reflection of the mirror, you see the film crew <laughs> and yeah. they're like, no, Jif, keep going, keep going. And then you have to like kind of shoot around yeah. that. I like, I like after uh Bowfinger and Jif, they come together and he's like, so my brother, it is good to see you again. And then we see them start to take on all the ninjas and they come up to a scene. They come up to like, the edge of a platform and you're expecting them to like jump off the platform and some very impressive thing, but no, they just stop and they just sort of very carefully and very slowly climb down off the platform and all the ninjas obligingly wait for them. Uh, yeah, very cute. Yeah. All of this while uh, Kung Fu fighting is playing in the background. Cause if you're having a karate film, you need Kung Fu fighting in your film. It's, it's illegal if you don't. Yeah. You don't want to go to jail, do you? No, no. I mean, no. they prosecute for that. That's right. I, know. I can't. I can't so, go back to jail, John. I got. I made no, enemies. No, it's <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. No time to get into that story. Uh, but so I mean, but and that's Bowfinger. It's pretty much a happy ending for everyone involved, except maybe Kit, who's still having problems and being blackmailed. <laughs> um, but. But he's a celebrity, so it's totally okay. Yeah, exactly. Yes, he probably should seek professional help and you know find ways to cope. And but you know mm-hmm. he has a he has big movies out, so that's just as good. Yep, exactly. Uh, but yeah, overall, I still thoroughly enjoyed this film. Like I, you know, again, there's a lot in there about 
you know, the, 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 the film biz and like a lot of insider jokes. If you like live in mm-hmm. Hollywood and you're in the industry that I appreciate, there's like a lot of stuff in there that I think it was before it's time. Like the uh, mind head thing, which of course is not a nod to Scientology at all. Uh, the, the things no. that Kit, not at all. The thing that Kit Ramsey says about Oscars and, you know, needing a catchphrase. I'm trying to make a movie, not a mm-hmm. film. Things like that. Yeah. Uh, I also one of one of my favorite lines in the rant was, I think uh, I think he was saying uh, what was it? We was talking about oh you know everybody's out to get me and I was, oh I'm crazy I guess I'm I'm guess I'm crazy and I suppose they don't put I suppose they didn't put a computer chip in Latoya Jackson's brain. She just acts like that, <laughs> like little yeah. things like that. <laughs> and I suppose Ted Kennedy isn't one sixteenth black. <laughs> Uh, that's out of nowhere. <laughs> that's um, he's like, yeah, no, he doesn't look like the other Kennedys. He's different. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's uh, on. yeah, and yeah, I mean, Eddie Murphy really knocks it out the park in this one. He he yeah. really did some amazing things. And uh, according to IMDb, he had a brief six-week window to shoot this thing because he was in between shooting his movie Life. And Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. And, like, basically, he, he was pretty busy. But the only reason he did this film was because uh, Steve Martin was in it. He He's a huge fan of Steve Martin and always really wanted to work with him. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good so. reason as any to do the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it says, uh, when Murphy sat down with Steve Martin and director Frank Oz, the first thing he did... Uh, he said was that Kit Ramsey should be a black action superstar. Oz then asked if that meant he was making the film, and uh, Eddie Murphy said yes. Uh, Steve Martin later joked that Eddie's audition was very good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's nice. It worked out okay. But, uh, it yep. worked out for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. And, uh, yeah, that's our that's our podcast. I Bowfinger. Uh Underrated gem of a film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go out and see it. Uh, yeah, uh, John, what are your thoughts about the film overall? Um, overall, I mean, I think it's a good film. I do think I do agree with you. It's an underrated film. Um, little another little bit of uh, trivia that I just uh, came across. Uh, did you know, see who Steve Martin originally had in mind when he wrote the movie? Who he had in mind for Kit Ramsey? Uh no, who who did he have in mind? Keanu Reeves. Hmm. Interesting. All uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he wanted a more conventional action star. He wanted like a because I think by that point uh, Keanu Reeves had done Speed. Uh, that was sometime in the nineties, if I remember correctly. Um. So. Right. And I think the Matrix had just come out at this time. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That was 99. So, yes. So okay. He, yeah, he was doing the action movies. Yeah, he was doing the action. But yeah, Keanu Reeves, that's an interesting choice. That would have definitely had a different tone to it. That would have been a very different movie. That would have been a very different movie. <laughs> Absolutely. So. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's Bowfinger, guys. That's our episode. Uh, yeah. As always, thanks for listening. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for you know, subscribing, and uh, you know, join us next week when we talk about uh, the return of uh, SNL with uh, guest host Mr. John Mulaney joining the Five yeah. Timers Club. What doing the Five Timers Club thing? Yes, that'll be fun. Um, 
always fun to see him come back to SNL. I'll, I'll like to see what he does. Uh, really looking forward to the monologue. It'll be interesting to see if we get another Dino Lobster type sketch. I'd love to see him do something with the Please Don't Destroy guys. I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely. That's, I, I, I can see be... them meshing really well. So, Yeah. They definitely kind of have the same sense, comedic sensibility. So I would really like to see what they do together. And uh, mm-hmm. LCD Sound System. I, I'm not a huge LCD, LCD Sound System fan, but I like some of their stuff. So uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'll be a good one. I mean, I, I've always found it enjoyable when John Mulaney hosts. So I'm looking forward to that in a big, big way. It's going to be um, a hoot and a half. Hoot and a half. Hoot yes. and a half. So uh, in the meantime, you can uh, follow us on the Twitter sphere at SNL Nerds Show. You can also follow our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And I'm at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. Twitter, Instagram. Follow me. Yeah. And uh, you can also uh, support the show by uh, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the show because we're, we're just that magnanimous. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're tough but fair. We're, we're generous mm-hmm. with our time. And uh, you can also uh, contribute to the show financially. You can uh, contribute to our Patreon. Uh, just go over to non-productive.com and uh, contribute to the Patreon. Just indicate you're doing it for the SNL Nerd Show. Yeah, please do. Give us some, uh, some of that sweet, sweet cash. The simoleons, yeah, moolah. Yeah. As long as you're uh, contributing money, uh, the Kickstarter project for the uh a book anthology that I'm in is still going on. Uh, just go to kickstarter.com uh, and just search for the, the fans are buried tales. And uh, you can find that we're raising money for a $7,000 goal and uh, that'll help me get paid. So yeah, please uh, contribute to that. Yeah. Don't you want you, don't you want your boy getting paid? Help your boy get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So. And uh, yeah, that's the episode, guys. I guess is there anything else to to add? Any, any, I, I uh, think that's about I, it. That's that's everything I wanted to say. That's everything I wanted to plug. So, you know, how are you? Are you doing okay? I'm all right. I'm okay. All right. I'm uh, Yeah. Thanks for asking, man. That's so sweet. Yeah. And uh, the, well, we're really petering out here. Well, we don't have to. Nah. I think it's the best way to go up. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll just peter out. So we'll, we'll see you next week with uh, John Mulaney and LCD Sound System and all that. And we won't peter out then. But until then... Nerds out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.